The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Confident salary negotiation. And so before we get into the how-tos of this, Kyle, I kind of want you to, to set the stage here and tell us why it's so important for us to have these difficult conversations around compensation. So on the surface, salary negotiation seems like it's just a numbers game. How can I get the most salary out of this organization that just offered me a job or will help hopefully be offering me a job? And let me try and figure out that numbers game. However, underneath the surface, there's so many factors that impact how we show up to that conversation. And when I talk to job seekers, the number one factor that comes up probably 95, 98% of the time is confidence or lack of confidence. People say, oh, I don't have the confidence, Kyle, to ask for $40,000 more than what they already offered me. Oh my gosh, this is Meta or Amazon or some hyper growth startup. I'm scared to go ask for more money and confidence keeps coming up. So today, hopefully we can talk about a, a few ways people can boost their confidence as they go into these salary negotiation conversations. I love that. This is great. And before we get into that again, I want to kind of explore a little bit uh, behind some of the perspectives that might hold people back. When you think about the mindsets that hold people back and make it tough for them to negotiate effectively and advocate for themselves, what are some of the patterns that you're seeing? A lot of people, when they go into salary negotiation, they have these ideas around money. And when it comes to money, they're like, oh, I don't think I'm worth this amount of money. They say, I've always made X dollars, and now this is 50% or 100% more than I've made before. And people feel like, oh, that's already good enough. I shouldn't negotiate more. And there's these negative feelings or perceptions people have around money. It can be difficult to move past that. And people connect money to their worth. I'm worth X amount of dollars, but not Y amount of dollars. And there's this stickiness that comes in. And we, when I come in, I try and say, let's disconnect that and not say, here's what you're worth. The money is not your worth. It's simply an exchange of energy. You're showing up and delivering a certain amount of energy to the organization. What energy can they provide back in regard to money? Money. And that can be helpful for some people to disconnect from, oh, this is my worth. No, it's not. It's just an energy transition between you and that organization. That's so cool. That's really interesting because it it, it almost depersonalizes mm -hmm. the, the heavy conversation, right? 
yeah, because it's not personal. This organization isn't hiring for you. They're hiring for a set of work. And what is the dollar value attached to that worth, that work? Not to your worth, but to that work. And what's the dollar amount that they've attributed to that amount of work? And that can be helpful. And there's a range that they've attributed to that work. And today, what we're going to talk about is how much is work worth to an organization? What's the budget range for that? And not the budget range for you as a human, but the budget range for that work. And that can be helpful to understand that as you go in and hopefully boost your confidence that you're not negotiating how much am I worth, but how much is this energy or this effort worth to this organization? I think one of the things that would be just an interesting place for us to start is talking about that operative word of fierce, because you could have just said how to advocate for yourself or be a self-advocate, but you put the word fierce in there and I'm sure that was intentional. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I think for a lot of us, we would describe ourselves as fierce advocates for our clients, you know, for our internal stakeholders and customers, you know, for our VIPs, maybe even for those folks who we supervise and manage, right? We want to be fierce advocates for those folks. And so often, one of the messages I share with people is, you're already doing this. You know, you're already doing this. My question to you is, what if you took that same ferocious self-advocacy, you know, that same um, art of negotiation you're bringing to delighting clients to those areas that benefit you, like your title, your performance rating, uh, the juicy assignment that just came in and who's going to lead it? You know, your pay, right? All these conversations. What if you, you know, brought that same great advocacy to those areas that benefit you? And what's exciting is when you you start to think in a different way to bring that same fierce self-advocacy, um, you can do it even more often, negotiation, and even more strategically, right? You, you can it. really do it more strategically and think through, Um how can I be empathic to the other person's situation right now? How can I think about what's top of mind for them? How can I make this a win for both of us? That's great. And so why don't you start us off? Tell us about research. Well, the research is very clear that women ask for things pretty reluctantly. We're socialized very heavily from the time we're quite young to wait to be praised, wait to be rewarded, wait to be invited to do things. And the ways in which we're socialized are fascinating, actually start on the day a baby is born. One cool study showed that parents and nurses perceive little boy and little girl babies differently on the first day of their lives. They see little girl babies as more fragile, physically not as strong, less coordinated, less alert, and more needy, more in need of being cared for, picked up, comforted, et cetera. And they see little boy babies as physically stronger, more alert, more coordinated, and more able to take care of themselves, less in need of comforting. And this socialization carries on throughout childhood. It's very profound, and the impact is almost immediate. By the time kids are in first grade, they have learned this lesson pretty well. Boys will raise their hands in class, asking for the teacher's attention, even when they don't know the answer to a question. And girls will not raise their hands even when they do know the answers. They have already learned to wait to be recognized for their brains and their hard work and their accomplishments. And we teach kids with the books we give them, the television shows and movies they watch, the behavior we model. We teach a lot with the chores that we give them. 
You typically give little girls chores that involve taking care of other people, taking care of younger siblings, taking care of the rest of the family, helping mom with household chores, uh, chores that don't require a lot of initiative. They're not self-starting so much. You're not going to leave a, you know, a child alone with an infant or let a little girl stand at a stove and cook. So they don't require initiative and they are, you know, largely focused on, uh, on the needs of other people. Boys more typically do chores or asked to do chores outside the house, go wash the car, go rake the leaves, go mow the lawn. So it requires more independence, more initiative, go get your tools, go do it. You know, stop when you think you've done a good job. And most significantly, boys are more commonly paid for their chores than girls are. So dad will say, no, I'll give you five bucks if you wash the car. Her mom will say $10 if you can get all those leaves raked this weekend. So boys er learn that they work for money. Well, girls learn that they work for love, which sadly doesn't pay very well. That is fascinating. Just fascinating. Yeah. So let's start off with you kind of talking about the course, setting that foundation, and then giving examples about how you were able to use the skills from the course in, in real life scenarios. Yeah. So I would say that right off the hop, that course taught me one awesome thing that you think would be obvious, that's not, which was be prepared. And you think, okay, of course I'm going to be prepared. But being prepared means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And what I learned was the first thing you have to do to be prepared is think about yourself and think about where you're at, what you want, and what it is you want to accomplish. Think about where you're willing to concede, what you're not willing to concede on, and, you know, write all of those notes out. So take some time to focus on yourself. And so that was the first thing that I applied because there was a couple of areas in my life that I really needed this program to help me with in which it really did. And that was the first thing that I put myself through is I went, okay, what is it that you want? And you think that'd be really simple. And it's not because oftentimes we're chasing a feeling. And sometimes you come right down to the core grassroots of what's the feeling that I'm trying to, to get out of this. And then what's the end result? Then I learned that I needed to sort of put my feet into the other person's shoes, put myself into the other person's shoes and say, what is it what the, What is it that they want? What is it that they need? And what is it that they're trying to get out? What do I think that they're willing to concede on and what they're not willing to concede on? And take a look at, do they want to be valued? Do they want to be appreciated? Do they want to be respected? Are they coming from ego? Like, where are they coming from? And once you've gathered that information, that in itself will change. It'll up your game by 50%. So, you know, for people that like me, who really didn't take anything in negotiating whatsoever, and, you know, probably I grew up as a pathological people pleaser trying to make everybody else happy. And you don't think about what you want, and what you need. You're just trying to make everyone else happy. Well, it's impossible to make somebody else happy. And once you come to terms with that, you can start thinking about yourself. And so where I was able to apply these skills, and there's a lot of other skills in the program that I learned, but just based on that, I was able to use it in both a really interesting medical appointment and in a job position that I wanted. And with the, the doctor's appointment is I had to go see um, an oncologist, so I'm a breast cancer survivor, 
And I was on this medication, tamoxifen. So I'm sure lots of women take it, have no problems with it. But I hated it. It was death to me. And I did not want to be on it. And the previous doctors were, they scared the crap out of me, to be honest. Well, you can't not take it. You're not protected. You know, your cancer's going to come back and you're going to die. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then I just said, well, I don't have a quality of life right now. So I need to figure this out. And so I kind of sat down and had to assess what do I want out of life and what do I need? And when I walk into that doctor's appointment, I know that doctor is going to say, you know, I have to give you this medication. So how do I do this? And do I actually want to come off the medication? Well, I think I do. But the reality is, is I just want to love life. I just want to fun. I want to feel like a human being again. So then I took a look at the doctor's perspective. And from the doctor's perspective, he needs to make sure he's doing his job the best he can. He needs to make sure that he can sleep at night with the advice he's given me. He needs to make sure that I'm well-educated on the situation. And I took all of that together and kind of wrote it all out, went to my appointment and had a great conversation with him. And he went over all of my options. We had a really great discussion. In the end, we both decided, yes, you can come off this medication and this is what I want you to do. We came up with a plan. We worked as a team. And I know that that probably doesn't happen to that doctor very often. He probably comes home frustrated most nights, just shaking his head. And he would have had an intelligent conversation with the patient. You came up with a great plan. If you have any questions, you call me whenever you want. And that was a win-win for both of us. And I've still, I've called him up a couple of times since, a couple of questions, and he's there to answer them. And I didn't just walk into his office and say, I want to come off this medication. I hate it. You don't know what you're doing. I came in and said, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I want to go. I need to know what my options are. And we opened up that discussion and it was a great discussion. So I was really happy with that. I was happy how it turned out. And to be honest, I was quite surprised because I, I knew I wanted to come off the medication, but I walked out of that office actually feeling empowered because I had a plan. So I'm not scared. I'm not scared that I came off of it. I do have options. I know what I need to do. And I made my choice. as to where I want. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort 
and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Well, I mean, it's it, as long as you're feeling that fulfillment and you're moving in the right direction, that's that's what really matters. And I know after getting to know you over the past couple months, I know that one of your special tools that you use is strategic rejection when it comes to advancing your business. And I thought that was really fascinating because I know that embracing rejection has a lot of benefits for people when it comes to their ability to negotiate and improving their negotiation skills. And so there were three main things that you wanted to talk about. Can you uh, give us a quick overview? Yeah, yeah, happy to. So, you know, what we're talking what we're going to talk about here is rejection therapy. And really what that is, is desensitizing yourself to the fear of rejection. And it's just like any other form of desensitization. You know, you're afraid of germs. And every day you go touch some door handle that everyone else is touching. Like over time, you're going to start to see, hey, I'm still alive. I'm not sick. Maybe, you know, germs aren't that bad. You know, I recently had a buddy uh, that was really afraid of spiders. And he was just traveling for a few months in South America, you know, backpacking and hiking through jungles and stuff. And he's like, Alex, I... I'm around spiders that are the size of my face. Now, when I come back to Los Angeles, I could really care less about these little bugs and spiders that are here that used to terrify me. And, you know, rejection is no different from, from anything, anything else. You can work on building the muscle that tells you to be afraid of people telling you no. And, you know, that's just, just natural. Every human being doesn't want to be told no. We're all afraid of that. It's, it's evolutionary programmed into us that, like, you know, you get told no, or you get, you get make the wrong turns, you know, you get eaten by a lion. So these are all, these are all natural things, but by systematically exposing yourself to rejection, you can over time and not a long amount of time, I'm talking about like days or a week, you can remove the fear of it. And uh, it's a pretty simple process of actively seeking out rejection and we can go into how you can, how you can seek it out. But over time, you get some benefits and really the benefits are confidence. I mean, as you're putting yourself out there in the world and you're asking for things and you're getting told no, like obviously your confidence is just going to ramp right up. And so that's awesome. I mean, who doesn't want more confidence? The other thing that you get is a sense of humility because we're all so caught up in ourselves and, you know, is today a good hair day or a bad day, bad hair day for me? I mean, like, when was the last time you, you realized that someone else was having a bad hair day? Like, probably never, right? Like, you're sitting in a meeting or a class or something, and you're thinking, you know, should I ask this question? Are people going to think I'm dumb for asking this question? The reality is, is no one cares. Like, no one cares if you ask the question. No one's going to remember. So as you're out there, like, racking your brain of, like, is someone going to hate me for asking them for something? The answer is no. No one's even going to remember it. And in two seconds, they're like, going to totally forget. So you get the confidence, you get the humility. And then the last one is, is as you're going through this and you're asking people for stuff and you're going through life, it's amazing how many yeses you get. And so while the goal of the exercise is to get rejected, get a no, humans are awesome. And you start to see that like people really want to go out of their way to help you. And so as you're going through this, you end up getting a lot of yeses. And I've got some like incredible yes stories as I go through this. But yeah, those are the, the three things, confidence, humility, and then you just see the world in a really positive light. I love it. Perfect. So let's dig deeper. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. 
What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.